that video never gets old hello and welcome to the match report hosted of course by free in midfield we are your hosts cahill michael darren i'm getting that that's that's the intro now is it darren he's just baby duty daddy duties we, we thought he was back but he, he was back he was back for two minutes and he's back to doing baby business all right whatever man Ray, raise your children that's 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 more, that's that's more important in the podcast isn't it now mate? of course it is it really is of course it is but anyway coach how you doing sir i'm good man um i'm in a good positive mood we're 200 up in subs now so we are indeed it's another milestone we've hit so very happy and uh yes had a good day so far how about you can't complain man can't complain but you know the reason why we can't complain because we've got some amazing guests to join right. us on this podcast, this very special podcast where Arsenal's unbeaten streak remains, of course. That's 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 the main that's the main talking point of the the entire podcast. But anyway, Steve joins us. How you doing, sir? I'm not too bad. I've got over the the disappointment of yesterday, and, and I was I was pretty rattled to be fair because <laughs> we, we, we were we were poor, we were poor. Um, but we'll get yeah. into that anyway. But yeah, aside from the result, mate, I'm well. Excellent, excellent. And Yannicka joins us. How are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Not too shabby, not too shabby. Man City, you guys won. Let's go there to start yeah. the uh, <laughs> let's go there to <laughs> to start the podcast off. Manchester United nil, Manchester City two goals from Eric Bailly, Bernardo Silva. We'll go to, we'll go to you first. Let's, Yannicka, let's get the positive out of the way. It was very, very, it was very, very easy for for you guys to just completely go to turn up to Old Trafford and dominate these these men. Yeah, he needs a striker when you've got Eric Bay. No, I'm joking though. <laughs> to, be honest, to be honest, I was actually expecting. Um, I was expecting a close game. I thought it would. I predicted two one either way. The only mm. reason why I say either way is because even though, like, because people always say to me. Are you doubting City? I know City are 10 times better than Man United. I know that. But Derby Day is Derby Day. And I remember when we were shit and we used to go, like, well, they used to come to Main Road and we'd give them a hard game. So it's just one of them things. Um, I thought it'd be closer than it was. You know, like some of the stats coming out of that game are insane. Like four touches in our our (laughs) box. And they had more shots against the hair. Than they had against Edison. Them in the first half, crazy, right? Yeah, them kind of crazy stats are, are, are mad. But yeah, City. I think we went there and did what we needed to do. Um, it's very dominant performance. We controlled the game. We didn't need more than two goals. In a way, I'm kind of glad we didn't get more than two goals because I think if that was a four-five nil, I think Ollie's gone. But a 2 0, so I think it was a masterclass from Pep. We've seen Klopp do it in the second half. Klopp could have gone for eight. He decided to stick at, well, he went for five, but he's decided to stick at five. And I think Pep did the same. Pep didn't even make any subs. He could have brought on like Mara, he could have brought on Sterling, but he just left it as it was. But I think that was, I know some United fans are saying it's almost worse than Liverpool because with Liverpool, they kind of they hit them for five, which is obviously mm. embarrassing. But they had more of the ball, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I think they're saying like the way the way City played, it did look like a training session from City. So I mean, let's, let's get you you mentioned some very important stats here, but let's get into those. I mean, sixty seven percent possession for Manchester City at Old Trafford. I mean, total <laughs> shots on target or, or, or just total shots. 
um, 16 to Manchester United's five. That's hilarious, man. That's actually hilarious. And to to your point, I do think that that Pep kind of pitied Ole, which is kind yeah. of worse than absolutely smashing him. To to be honest with you, because that <laughs> that was just embarrassing to watch. And that's two. That's not two. I'd say two in a row, but two very massive games in a row with Liverpool and uh, Man City. Now, where they've just been outclassed and outshone. And I mean. I mean, it's clear that you're 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 obviously Ole in, Jan. But how long do you think this guy's going to last? I I can't see it lasting that long, man. I can't. I think he's definitely going to get sacked. It's inevitable. You can't be the manager of Man United and kind of, you know, they mock. The funny thing about Man United is they've mocked every single club for stuff that they're now doing. They used to mock Liverpool. Oh, you only talk about the past. They used to mock City. Like saying, oh, like, Jeremy, you don't, w well, you don't win <laughs> when we didn't win. And then, you know, a million different things after we got money and we started being successful. A, b a billion, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, they, they've always mocked us and stuff like that. But it's just funny because it's like, you know, Arsenal used to get the most amount of slander for top four. It was like, oh, you only care about top four. Top four is a trophy. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now they're doing the same thing. So it's it's funny to see Man United couldn't be a more deserving fan base of this. You know, <laughs> they deserve validation to the out of football completely. We'll miss Derby Day, but I don't mind them being in League Two. It is what it is. But yeah, they deserve everything that's happening to them. And to be honest, long may Ali continue. But obviously, we all know it's inevitable he's going to get sacked. United are always going to be up there. They always spend money. They're always going to have good players. So it's not going to last forever. But I'm just enjoying it while it is happening. Um, it's a shame because I really wish we'd gone to like Old Trafford and got like 8, 9, 10 nil. That would have been nice. But, yeah, we didn't have Aguero, so we couldn't do it. But, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's, obviously, it's obvious that he's going to go. The thing is, I think that 2-0 result from a Man United fan perspective is probably the worst result because any worse, he might have gone already, you know, and a 1-0, and a you know, it's it's not like, it's not great for City because <laughs> I would have been impressed. So, yeah, 2-0 wasn't a great result for them. Um, but, yeah, I think he will get sacked. They will get someone better. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because every time the United players play badly, Everyone says, Ali Tak, Ali Tak. So it will be interesting to see if them same players play badly when they get a new manager. That so, will be yeah. interesting. You know, you know what's funny? I've never seen Yan, I've never seen or heard Yan on smoke like this. And you are on <laughs> smoke today. It's hilarious. I'm loving it. I'm loving the energy, man. Keep bringing it. Keep bringing it. Let's go to you, Kojo. Uh, obviously, Manchester United fan in the room. Um, Ole. I mean, the, the stat that that's going to, to that's imprinted on my mind right now is obviously the fact that you had more shots at De Gea in the first half than you did against Edison. That's ridiculous. It was a training session for Man City, though, wasn't it? Man, man, them paid to go watch a training session at Old Trafford from the rivals. That's what it was. It was. I came into this game half disinterested because obviously it's a derby. I want my I want my team to win, but I also know what's inevitable. Inevitable, and like I said. Mm -hmm last week or even the week before uh, rather after the five no there's always been this thing about may United get somehow beating city somehow getting a result against liverpool all that and you know with ollie 
that's what's going to happen. I'm like, that's not sustainable. It's not going to always be that way. There's always going to be a slapping. And then after the slapping comes a humbling. First, you got your slapping at five and then you got your humbling at two because they absolutely scored you on the pitch. And what was fascinating for me about it was, and I think why United fans are saying that it feels worse is because even at five nil down, United fans were trying to at least make some sort of noise. Yes, you got the booze at half time, but they're trying to sing some songs. They're trying to get some fun vibe in there. At the in the two nil, it was quiet. Like when I say quiet, like you know, people mock stadiums for being libraries and all that. Do you know what that was? That was an empty forest. There was no, <laughs> there was no noise whatsoever. At Old Trafford. It was a very humbling experience, I think, for Man United fans because, like Jan said, there's been an arrogance by Man United forever, regardless of how long it's been since they won a league title or a Champions League or whatever. Man United have been able to still spend a lot of money. So some level of power in the league or whatever. So it's always been an arrogance. But this was a very humbling experience for them. Um, this was actually a worse performance than the 6-1 that we had against C Old Trafford. And that says something. Um, so look, as soon as you asked me about Ole, brother, at this point, I've said it since what we're in 2021 now. Since it's 2019. This guy needs to go, man. Mm. He's, he's not gonna be the guy, he will never be the guy. Um, people talk about being backed, and there's always an argument and how. They're unhappy about the Glazers, and we know the Glazers are what they are, but he's been backed. A lot of the players that he has in this team are his players. And if there are players that he bought, they are players that he's made staples, aka the midfield pairing, Luke Shaw, you bought Tellers, not seeing game time, that kind of stuff. So he, he can't complain. It, it was it was an embarrassing, embarrassing loss. And yeah, it probably is worse than Liverpool's because Liverpool came and Liverpool do this, Liverpool will come to attack to kill you. That's what they come to do. Whereas City have the ability to kill you, but they just decide not to. Mm. And that's what it was. It felt like they just said, you know what, it's 2 0. And Pep, Pep said it best. Pep said, he was asked about the substitutions and he said, <coughs> he said, um, I, I didn't make any substitutions because it was easy and comfortable. Those were his words. That in itself explains just how easy it is to play Man United. Remember, I said it last week. Brighton were more of a threat to Liverpool than Man United were. So and what now you've seen exactly, and now you've seen, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Crystal Palace. <laughs> we were praising Patrick Vieira last week for a wonderful masterclass performance at City, and he and his team with less quality players, quite comfortably, out they pretty much showed Man United how to play Man United, <laughs> and that is how some up may not in a nutshell i mean see let's bring you in on this this uh well humbling as kojo put it de gea he kind of showed uh a bit of passion when he went obviously you've probably seen that clip where he's absolutely fuming and he smashes the uh the tunnel as he as he walks past but he had a very bad game i mean the eric by goal i mean that's kind of difficult but the second goal the bernardo silver goal where he completely went to sleep and just allowed that ball to creep in the near post i mean is that a good sign that you do? Do fans want to see their goalkeepers getting mad at stuff like that, or is it just part of the course? And you, it's, it's just do better when you're on the pitch rather than getting up, upset and showing some passion when I, I it's think, when it's ninety minutes done. I think some fans and Twitter showed this think that that's great to see it. If you ask every fan in there, they'd rather not see it. They'd rather see him do his job. It's it's kind of shutting the gate when the horse has already bolted, isn't it? It's too late now. <laughs> at the end of the day, he's more worried about making contact with the post and he is saving the ball. <clears throat> Shaw should never let that ball bounce in there anyway. So, so there's a couple of people that are culpable for that. But if you take the two games in isolation, 
City's like a death from a thousand cuts, isn't it? It's like sustained pressure and attacks. Like Kojo said, Liverpool just tear up and, and when it goes well for Liverpool, they just destroy you. Um, both. What would be more worrying for me, where I'm a Manchester United fan, is that in both the second halves, Liverpool and Manchester City toyed with Manchester United. Yeah. They, they put 60, 70 pass routines together and Manchester United just stood off them and watched them do it. So you can lose a game. We lost the game at the weekend and we'll get on to that. But it's how you lose a game. It's how you how you approach that game, how hard you work. They gave up on both of those games. They were never going to get that back against City. City were a totally different class. You know, and, and look at what, what situations with Oli. If Oli goes, who do they bring in? Zidane has, has openly said he has no desire to, to manage in the Premier League. He won't even learn the language. So, so he's mm. off the radar. So where else do they go? Where else do they go? They've got to start looking around because Conte's in it. In it, in it top them now. And like it or not, Conte would have been a short-term fix to some of the defensive problems Manchester City, Manchester United, sorry, have got. So I don't know where, where United go with this. I don't think Oli's getting sacked anytime soon either. I, do, I just don't see it happening. Um, they're in the Champions League. They're getting the revenue in from the Champions League. They're still getting 75,000 people turned up week in, week out. And Credit to Manchester United fans for sitting through what they've had to sit through in recent weeks. Um, you know, not many fans would do that. They are loyal. So the money's still coming in and they're still spending money in the club shop. They're still buying the Ronaldo shirts and things. So at this moment in time, what we're seeing is yet another um, showing of an American ownership in this just for the money and not not for the not for the not what's going on on the pitch. And... Kojo, I don't mean to offend you when I say this, but throughout the 90s and the noughties, everybody said to me, stop saying, but you're Liverpool because you're not Liverpool. You, Liverpool did this. You're now down there. You've got to fight for the right to get back up to there. And it took us 30 years mm-hmm. to do it. And I'm still hearing Man United fans saying, but this shouldn't be happening because we're Man United. You, you, you were Manchester United eight years ago when you last won the league. Things are not what they were. You now have to earn the right, and I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, but you now have to earn the right to put, put yourself back on the pedestal. Remember Alex Ferguson's famous comment, I'm going to knock Liverpool off the pedestal, and, and I respect him because he did it. But now Manchester United have got to fight the same way that Liverpool did to get back to that pedestal, and, and he can't think that they're bigger than they actually are. They, they are. they are a club in transition. They need to change their manager. You could put... Klopp or Guardiola in charge of Manchester United. You're not getting a balanced midfield and defence out of that squad. So it takes two transfer windows to put it right as well. So you've got five midfielders at Man United that need to go one way or the other. So it's it must be rough, Kojo, being a Man United fan at the moment. But but it's the manner of those two defeats, which, which if I'm a Manchester United fan, makes me very, very angry right now. Can I um, just quickly pick up on a few points you made there? Um, so, firstly, you always said about them toying with May United, absolutely spot on. Because look at this Messi, wow. made, Messi made over 800 passes, right? If you check the stats, if you double May United's passes, it's nowhere near the 800. So, that even tells you that they were not a comp- they were not even a threat. There was no competition within this game. That's number one. Number two, under the Haya thing, yeah, he should have done better. But I, I'm, I'm at this point, if um, the pundits are not going to do it, I'm going to get on there, to, there next. Maguire, they Rio turned apparently. Pardon? Rio turned. No, he hasn't. He says he's no. He's, he's not? half. He's half turned. Same oh, way that okay. Ray Keane did. Remember, Ray Keane was getting on the players and he was doing a good job, and then he came and said, "You know, um, is uh, Ole the right man?" There's a question mark about that. But with these players, he might be better off getting sacked anyway. I'm like, where? Yeah, where yeah. I'm like, where is the accountability for the manager? Also, we all know he's out of his depth. We all know this. You have to be. You have to be honest about these things. Yeah. But the pundits were afraid 
I mean, him, Michael, Michael Richards, to be fair, was trying to get on the players and only going to Solskjaer. But him and Sooness and Rio Ferdinand and anybody else, minus Michael Owen, because Michael Owen really went in on the managers and managing the players as well. There is a strong reluctance to get on Maguire and Shaw. And funny enough, even after the game on Instagram, I just made a comment like, you know, people, because some, some people were talking about Pogba for some reason. Like, Pogba wasn't there. Like, you know, talk about Maguire, Shaw, De Gea, these guys that were on the pitch. I mean, if he and, didn't get red carded, he might have impacted the game, no? He would have been on the bench. He would have started the game. How are you, Joe? <laughs> I, I still can't believe Harry Maguire's a professional footballer, never mind captain of Manchester United. He oh, just doesn't see danger, mate, at all. He's, he's in cloud cuckoo land. I don't do not know where that guy's brain is at when, when danger's coming into the box. If you watch his movement prior to the goal, he goes out, he comes in, he goes out, he comes in. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not marking anybody. He's, it's 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 laughable. And, and for £80 million, you can't have that. Precisely, precisely. And this is why I'm, I, I don't like putting pressure on people in general, but I, I, it has to be mentioned because even in those Instagram comments, I was being told, what if he's going through something personal? I'm like, why have you never discussed these things with other players? Why has it always got to be something personal? That he's going through with it. Why is that always the first thought in your mind? But everyone else is straight criticism. Give everyone the same sort of energy. If he's going through something, of course, wish him the best and that he can get through it. But if that's not the case, criticize his performance as a player. He's an 80 million pound player, as you said. He's captain of Manchester United, a big, a huge club, even. So, you know, the pressure is there. He has to deal with it. And finally, what you said about getting back on that pedestal. Listen, for the last couple of weeks, I've been making I've been calling Man United Gucci Everton because They've got the money, but they move like Everton. They, they don't move like a big club. They buy a lot of players like Everton do. Everton buy a lot of players and they don't work. May United buy a lot of players and they don't work. They've become everything, like Jan said, they've become everything that they hated. As soon as yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer left, Woodward was talking about a Galatico model. They spent money on players that didn't make sense for the team, for the manager. Louis Howe wasn't even asked about philosophy when he was interviewed. Mourinho wasn't even backed after he came second. It's all a mess, but they've become what they hate. And this is what May United fans can't really stomach. I've stomached it because at this point, I've really checked out, if I'm being honest. I love the club, but I've checked out. I know what's happening. I can see it clear as day. But um, yeah, my, right now, May United are nowhere near Chelsea. They're nowhere near Liverpool. They're nowhere near Man City. And dare I say, soon enough, they won't be anywhere near Arsenal. I'm just saying it right now. Anyway, anyway. Um... Let's move on to Chelsea 1, Burnley 1. Uh, dropped points against a very bad uh, Burnley side. Kai Havertz got the goal on the 33rd minute with a nice header. And Matej Vidra scored the equaliser in the 79th minute. We'll go to you, Jan, drinking your tea. I'm imagining it's tea. Is it tea? Uh, <laughs> it's still tea. muted. Still muted. Yeah. It's like a green tea, but it's got Ray and Nephew in it. So hopefully, cool. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Chelsea. I mean, it, it kind is kind of drop points, but considering uh, Liverpool got the draw and Man City are always yeah. close. I mean, it's not really as bad as it could have been. Yeah, I think it's funny this season because, like, I know every season everyone is reactionary, mm. but this year it's like even worse. Like every time I see. All three of City, Chelsea, Liverpool. Because I think they're the nailed-on top three. Um, but every time one of us loses, it's like, oh, they're not going to win the league. You know, it's going to be the other two. You know, one of the other two. And then... And then or like, Arsenal, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll win. And it'll be like, 
oh, they're going to win the league. And it's just like yeah. the same thing over and over again. I think it's way too early. I don't know who's going to win it. It will be Chelsea, City or Liverpool, but I don't know which one. And it's just funny because it's like everyone's dropping points. Um, what I would say about City, which is good so far, is we have got quite a lot of the hard away fixtures out the way. Um, but they, they don't seem to be the games that we're struggling in. We're actually playing really well against the top teams. It's it's the Southamptons and the Crystal Palaces that we're dropping points to. So it's just one of them things. I think I don't think any of them are particularly at their best. City definitely aren't. I know Chelsea fans are saying they're not at their best and Liverpool fans are saying the same. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I do... I do see it being close all season. I think like we'll drop points one week, Liverpool will drop points the next, Chelsea will drop points the next. I think it's just going to be like that all season. So yeah, I think it's it's just interesting to see. But I think right now we're in a good position. Um, Chelsea are obviously top, so they have to be in a good position, and Liverpool are right behind, so doesn't really matter. I think all three um, are doing quite well, and I think they'll get better. Like City tend to start poorly and then sort of after Christmas that's when we step it up um so yeah I, I would expect City to kind of go on a run a little bit after Christmas we've seen Liverpool go on them runs as well Chelsea not so much but I think with Tuchel they can do it so yeah it's going to be interesting it should be a good title race but I don't think mm. it's the end of the world for Chelsea Burnley a that team that can get points off you um but yeah the only concern from a Chelsea point of view, would probably be that they drop points at home rather than away. That would be yeah. the only concern. Not that it really matters. And I think from a Liverpool point of view, it would probably just be the amount of goals they're conceding at the moment. And then from a City point of view, it's the opposite. It's the amount of goals we're scoring. <laughs> so it's like, there's concern for all three. But <clears> I I mean, yeah, I made a good point about Burnley. They always try to turn up to whichever club and yeah. try and spoil, spoil their day. But Koji, <laughs> I mean, is is one point uh, for Burnley is probably the biggest time, or not the biggest time, but the the most the mo it's the most likely that they're going to go down this season. I mean, Watford, Aston Villa, us uh, leads are around them, but Burnley currently have eight points. They're three points above 19th with Newcastle United. It, it does nothing seems to be working, and and it's usually that we assume a park the bus type tactics. That's that's what Burnley are known for, but that isn't working this season. What's going What's going on wrong for them? As always, F. Sean Dash. I think what's happened with Burnley is I don't I don't know if Sean Dash is running out of ideas. I know he's he's tried to change a little something. Maxwell Cornet is not really a signing that he usually tends to go for, but he's come in. He's played for multiple reasons. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, multiple reasons indeed. Um, and but he's worked out well. He's played well for him. He's been a, he's been a bright light. But Burnley's football doesn't convince anymore, and um, it kind of alarmed me because you know, for example, people talk about Arsenal and Burnley when it comes to that fixture. It's always a tough time for Arsenal, but Arsenal have dealt with them. Yeah. Many times, actually. I think Burnley have only beaten them once in the last, maybe, maybe say, 15 games, for example. Um, so it's never been a tight affair. They've always dealt with them. So that that kind of takes away from their aura a little bit. And I think that aura has now disappeared. Sort of similar to how Stoke were this tough tackling, long throw was a uh, weapon sort of side. And then eventually they were found out and they weren't as threatening as before. Um, I just think, one, they lack goals. 
obviously uh, Chris Wood and um, Ashley Barnes are not going to get you a bigger number of goals going forward. Um, and I feel like you've seen a drop in form in Tarkovsky, Pope and uh, Matt Loughton, the kind of dependables that he has. So I think, are they going to go down? I still don't know. Because um, the thing is, I, I would say earlier this season, I definitely would have said Newcastle, but I feel like they're going to go on a splurge in the in the in January and just get enough players to just about stay up before they try to start building something. So Burnley could be a casualty of that, but they need to find some form fast. It's a great point away to Chelsea, but I, I don't know if they're gonna again be getting those points a lot more often. It could be a tough year for them. Could be a tough year for them. But Chelsea, um, Steve, I. They've not really hit the ground. Not to say they've not hit the ground running. They've obviously they're top of the league and they've uh, got the most points. But with the team that they have, they're not playing a very attractive style of football that we would assume or what we know to go for. But is it something that you fear that they haven't really been playing the, uh, this amazing football, knowing that they've got a goal scoring room Lukaku waiting in the wins? I don't fear it. I'm quite glad they're not, to be honest with you, mate. Um, we could do without that, <laughs> couldn't we, as a Liverpool fan? Um, I think if you, if you take the game at the weekend, they put Jay Rodriguez on, finds himself clean through twice, doesn't have the legs to outrun the, the Chelsea defence. If that's Maxwell Cornet going through the middle, they're not catching him. So, so mm. in terms of taking him off and putting Rodriguez on through the middle, a bit of a strange decision. Um, I've said this before, and, and Kojo picked up on it, that, that Lukaku makes a one-dimensional, and they've kind of put all their eggs in one basket. Chelsea is strong. They want to be the team that nobody wants to play, but that's from a defensive perspective rather than an attacking perspective. So, 1-0 to the Chelsea will be something we see lots of this season, to be fair. Um, they'll be there They'll be there in the shakedown. They'll be there when, when the prizes are given out in May. Um, 100% they will. Um, the point about, I saw come up there, you keep the, the wing-backs quiet, you keep Chelsea quiet. That's a really good shout. You know, Chilwell and... Reese James are doing what Robertson and Trent were doing for Liverpool two, two and a half years ago. That, that's kind of brought that to Chelsea's mentality. Um, they're a very good side. They're a very good side. And if Burnley were a bit braver in the last 10 minutes, they might have pinched it. But, you know, has time caught up with Burnley? I think it has. I think Kojo's right in what he says about players dropping in form. Tarkovsky and me are huge in terms of... Um, defensive cover for them and they're not delivering so I wouldn't be sorry to see them go down because of, you know I think they're anti-football that they did you see that did you see where they put the guy off the pitch into the hall the boards at the side of the side of the Chelsea player they run him off the pitch straight into the stand battered into the boards it was like overzealous uh, physicality they did the same against Liverpool with like WWE moves on Liverpool players which were insane um so I wouldn't be sorry to see them go, um, but back to your question: don't, don't don't sleep on Chelsea. They will be there. They they will, they've got too much quality. Um, like Jan says, it'll be the usual suspects. And and the thing is, Chelsea have a bad result. Everyone jumps on the bandwagon. City lose to Crystal Palace. Everyone jumps on the bandwagon. Liverpool lose to a very good West Ham West Ham team, and we'll come to that. And everyone jumps on the bandwagon. This is what football's become with ten games into the season and fire managers have lost their jobs. What are we watching? What are we what are we watching over these days? Really, what, what are we doing? You know, a team that's uh, not losing right now, so no no people can <laughs> jump on the bandwagon. Arsenal, we won against Watford, one goal to no. And I'm I'm here saying a new player has entered the fight because Arsenal are coming for the championship. I'm just oh gonna leave. I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> I don't yeah, need. I don't need. 
You <laughs> you twisted my words there, yeah. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, obviously the main talking point from that game is uh, the goal and and what led up to the goal. But I want to get all three of your your views on 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 that whole situation. Should have should Arsenal have played the ball back? I would. It's a it's a funny one it's because they the Watford players kicked the ball off the pitch for an injured player, but he got up immediately. Immediately. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously, courtesy football, his, you know, it, you throw the ball back naturally. But that that wasn't a part of the the lead up to the goal that concerned me. It was it was um, Maitland Niles doing a John Cena <laughs> shoulder barge on mm-hmm. um, Ismail Assar. So you know that's the one that stopped me. But I understand the Watford complaint about throwing. We we know we know how it's been in football, but I think. Is Milasar had more of a case than um, not getting the ball back to you for through. All I'm saying that was a that was a good ten seconds before. So the the, the player is already gone on. So you you're just salty right now, bro. You're salty that we're playing better football than you. That's that's what I'm saying. And we're going for the title. That's what I'm saying. We're going for the title. Jan, are Arsenal going to win the title this season? Of course, obviously. Best team in the league for sure. Um, but nah, I, do you know I don't I don't hate Arsenal. Everyone knows that. Um, but yeah, I think playing. I did say at the start of the season, playing one game a week. Obviously, yeah. you have games, but one game a week um, could help you in the long run. Not necessarily. I don't think you'll finish above any of the three that I've mentioned. But I think teams like West Ham, you know, if they stay in Europe long a longer time and stuff like that, obviously that might catch up with them. A little bit so Arsenal always have a little bit of an advantage in that way um but yeah the form I think form wise Arsenal and West Ham both are top I think of the table so yeah not doing too badly um but yeah I think long run wise it's going to be difficult because if you actually look at the squads in the league in terms of how much quality obviously we know Ali's getting sacked United will probably get a better manager. Um, Spurs have got Conte, even though it's not really kicked in yet. Conte is a good manager. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult for Arsenal um, just because, you know, I think there's a lot of teams fighting for that fourth spot. So it is going to be difficult. But, yeah, I think... So, at the moment, you're doing well. The signings that you've brought in seem to be doing well. So that's Mm -hmm. always a good thing from... From an Arsenal perspective, I just spilt my drink all over me. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> I no. I am. oh my god, I'm gonna smell like rum for the rest of the exactly. night. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just one of them things. Hopefully, you finish above Spurs. We can't stand Spurs, so we'll have to see. But yeah, excellent. I didn't, I didn't see the goal or anything like that. But to be honest, this whole when you're like one nil down and you're playing a team and maybe they're not better than you and then they go down so you kick the ball out i hate that mm. and then they pass it back and it's like i don't like that because sometimes it's it just kills your whole flow and mm-hmm. who's to say they don't you know get a goal from the goal kick that they get so i'm not a massive fan like don't get me wrong if you're injured properly injured yes kick the ball out but when it's like they're going down for no reason so you kick the ball out to waste your own time 
when you're chasing a result, it is yeah. annoying. So I think they need to do something about it. You know, if you're like time wasting for the sake of it, because I know against, um, I think it was Crystal Palace, they, um, the goalkeeper was just time wasting the whole game. And I think they booked him in like the 80 something minute. So it's like by then, the game's already it's done. done. Like, yeah. He should have been booked in the first half because Edison got booked at Brighton and he was nowhere near wasting as much time. So I think clubs like Burnley, this is why people get frustrated by them sort of teams. Sometimes it's a little bit like they'll go down and you know they're not injured. They're just wanting you to kick the ball out. So, mm. yeah, I think stuff like that, if it's a head injury, obviously kick the ball out. If it's a bad injury, yeah, kick the ball out. But when they're just going down for the sake of it, don't give them the ball back because then people will stop doing it. If you if they knew that you might score from the ball going out, I don't think they would do it. So you I see, you see, Arsenal are trendsetters. <laughs> we're, we're trying something <laughs> new here. We're going to change the way people perceive fake injuries in football. That's what Arsenal are trying to do. Also, when we win the league, that's what that's what that's that's what's gonna be that's yeah. what's gonna be the, the talking point, the change of, of the philosophy, the mindset of dealing with fake injuries. Steve, jump on yeah. this positive bandwagon with me. Um Aubameyang, the greatest striker <laughs> ever in the Premier League, right? I wouldn't go that far. Um, you've been waiting for two years to do something, haven't you? So we um, have been, yeah. You know what? Arsenal's form is good and it's um it must be refreshing for Arsenal fans to see. They trusted the, pro they trusted again, the process. Yeah. Trust the process. It's only two years. It's three years, isn't it? In November, he got the job and he's, yeah. he's finally getting his rewards now. Um, Arsenal are, are, are doing good things at the moment and, and it comes to Liverpool next. Um, that'd be a big test for you because Liverpool will be, be expecting a response from, from the West Ham defeat. Mm. Um, you'll learn more about Arsenal's season in that game than you will of the previous games you played this year. Um they're in the mix. They're in the mix for European places, and that's a massive improvement on last season. So, are they title challengers? No, they're not because they don't have the know-how to do it. They're not going to surpass City, Chelsea, or Liverpool. They don't but have the know-how from a Liverpool fan. How dare you, sir? We, we won the league. We won the league. <laughs> and the Champions League. And we been to blah blah blah. All that shit. Yeah, but you know what I mean. At the end of the day, you 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 need to do it in stages. And, and, yeah, of course. And, Arteta's got footballing principles, which I kind of like. And and the way Arsenal play is is pleasing on the eye at times as well. They've got some really good young players. And, they, and they've backed him and given him the time to make the changes, probably because they didn't want to get involved in changing the manager anyway. Mm. Similarly to Ollie's syndrome, you've got a lazy ball that didn't make the changes the fans wanted. And listen, uh, Manchester United don't think that Ollie's going to turn into Arteta and turn your team around because he's not, but... But he's well grounded in terms of his football education. He's, you don't spend all that time with Pep and not learn something. Um, <clears throat> so in terms of Arsenal, um, yeah, they've had a really good, really strong sort of last half dozen games. That they're in the mix for European places, and Arsenal fans, you've got to be happy with that. And you know, Aubameyang is dangerous, and if he's if he's feeling good, he's feeling confident, he will create chances and score goals. He's still ridiculously quick, even at like 31, 32. Yeah. He hasn't lost a lot of pace. Um, and he's a danger, but it's your young, it's your young players, your Smith Rose and your Sackers that are, and you know, uh, are the guys that make it a difference. They play without fear, and and, and Arteta's encouraging that. So, um, I did, I don't want to say a long way to continue, but I know you're an Arsenal fan, so um, 
Look at look at where you are now from where you were four games into the season. So night and day, bro. Night and day. Why not? Is is on this Arteta route? I, I I love the energy, bro. But you got you got you just enjoy the vibes right now. Enjoy the vibes. But anyway, the team that's not enjoying vibes because there aren't any vibes at Tottenham because it's nil nil against Everton. I didn't watch this match because I knew it was gonna be a board draw. <coughs> Kojo. I didn't watch either, and I, I didn't go to watch the highlights. Still, so I thought there was nothing on merit. Did they have zero shots on target or some 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 nonsense yeah, like that? Yeah, I heard that. I, I'm not watching Everton. I'm not watching Everton. Not happening. Bill <laughs> <laughs> Shankly once said, "If Everton were playing in his back garden, he'd draw the curtains." I'm with you, Bill. I'm absolutely with you, mate. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing about Spurs and, and Conte. This team, this is probably the biggest job that he's ever had in football in terms of what he has, not in terms of the quality of the team, but in terms of what he has to change in that side because that team is filled with absolute dross of players. He's got one of the worst teams in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, he's which is pretty much saved by Harry Kane and um, Min Song. But everywhere, Poyberg's good as well, but everywhere else, there's complete and utter dross. Kojo... What do you, how do you rate Conte's chances? I mean, we know he's a proven winner. We know he's one of the best coaches in world football right now. But this is a very, very a bad square side. I, at this point, I think what I want Spurs fans more than they want to realise is if Conte so-called fails at Spurs, it's not a Conte issue. They, there's a lot of players, and the same can be said about a lot of my United players as well. Don't get me wrong. I, I do get on Ole, but a lot of the United players are just not up to standard, right? But the thing about Spurs is a lot of these players that they've had have been protected for a while by their fan base. Lucas Moura still loves because he is the guy for, that scored against Ajax. And, you know, so far this season, he's done a decent job in terms of playing it down the middle. And, but he's, he's not bringing much impact. A goal in the, in the Carabao Cup, and I think one in the Premier League, does not present pro, uh, progress or any sort of process of going up there. Um, they've finally given up on Deli Ali. Even me, I liked him at this point. It's like, well, he's not there. They finally, well, not finally, but Harry Kane, they finally started looking at Harry Kane funny because, you know, his form's been, quite frankly, embarrassing. Um, I don't know why they're still obsessed with Tangri and Dombele. They got on, they got on La Celso a lot. And yeah, La Celso hasn't performed, but Dombele is not doing anything either. It's just, it's a, it's a big, it's a, you're right, it's a huge job. It's a huge job. And I think they don't really recognise just how big the job is. Um, they made a good signing in, in Romero. I like him. He's a good centre-back. But you said it before in the past, and we can say it again. Goalkeeper at some point, no reason to replace him because he's still got mistakes in him. Right-back, still not good enough. Left-back, still not good enough. Centre-midfield, still very questionable. Hoiberg's done well, but is it Skip? Is it um, Ndombele? Is it Lo Celso? Is it Deli Ali? None of them are performing. Same old story. Son gets a lot of cover for him. That boy is inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. He's a, of course, he's a talented footballer. He's given them moments. The goals against um, Man City, for example, um, against Man United. He's given them moments, but he's he's inconsistent. And they talk about Harry Kane's performances in, in finals. Why are we not talking about Son? Because he cries. He shows passion when he loses. It's all right then. I I, I cried when I was <laughs> four years old. So yeah, that, obviously that means that means I guess what the guy is, the guy gets away with too much. He's very inconsistent, and I think they need to recognize these things. It's very hard these days to find footballers that have a high level of, of efficiency. That's why I love a Mo Salah because I don't care about flash skills and all that. 
if you perform, you do the thing, I'm happy. But I was a silver had a, a shaky season last year, but when he's on his game, you can't mm. come near the boy. He does his job and he does it well. That's the kind of player I admire. It's so yeah, this is just the beginning. Do you think do you think by taking Conte on, they've had a change of heart and they've decided to back his his, his um his willingness to spend? Do you think that's a change in the mentality at Tottenham? Because if it isn't, he'll be gone next summer for sure. Well, this is what I was saying about Mourinho. So me, me, Cahill and Darren did a unreleased episode of Frimley Field when Mourinho was first signed. And I was saying, look, you have signed one of the biggest names in management in football. So you have to move like big boys now. That's a big boy move. If you bring Mourinho in, you know what he wants. So you have to move that assertiveness that he wants in the transfer window. Bring the money to the table and say, yeah, we are willing to spend. If you're not willing to do that for Conte, don't waste his time. Because they exactly made that promise right. to Mourinho. Yeah. Mourinho was speaking on TV and saying, I will never join a club that gives me false promises in relation to May United. Then he joined Tottenham, hoping that Levy coming with all his passion was saying, yeah, I'm going to back you. And then, well, that didn't work out either. You've now got Conte in. You've tried to do it with Nuno and it didn't work because you know, Nuno is not demanding. Conte is very demanding. That's why you failed to get him in the summer. You tried to do stupidness with his um, coaching staff. So with that one move, you failed the whole um, the whole move. Now you've brought him in. You've given him the uh, leeway to bring his staff in. You better give him the leeway in the transfer market as well. Otherwise, you're going to suffer because this squad is not good. It's not a good squad. No, it's not. They need, they need big improvement fast. And Conte can be the man to make change. I said it. He made Darmian a player that was completely out of one in the main night, but he started scoring last-minute winners in Serie A and they got the title. So if he says he wants another Darmian, give him Darmian. It's his players, no? Give him what he wants. That's it. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you, you did say that you, you closed the curtains on Everton, but your old your old bosses is, is their steam, man. What, what, what's, how are you rating his... Uh... Rafa's just bought um, a mauled caravan and given it to a charity for disadvantaged kids to go and stay there in the area. But the guy is an absolute legend in terms of what he does behind the scenes for for the for the for the city. But listen, he does more for the city than now than he ever did before. Um, I'm happy to let him be at Everton. It's not working for him. I don't think he'll be there very long. That um, they've got itchy feet round him already. So in terms of Rafa. Listen, what he did for Liverpool was great, but it was 2005 and 2006. And we've moved on since then. Football changes. Guy's got to have a job. He lives 10 minutes away from where I live. Doesn't mean I live in a similar house to him, but he lives 10 minutes away. <laughs> Just put that out there. I'm not sitting talking to you from a, an ex-hotel with lifts in like he lives in, because I've, I've seen his house. It's insane. Um, the guy's got to have a job. And, and if, if he wants to go and work at Everton and stay close to his family, then no problem. Um, I seem to remember him saying when he left Valencia that he asked for a couch and they bought him a coffee table, which was his way of saying they didn't meet his expectations. Mm. Um, listen, he paid 1.2 million for two wingers in Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. The guy was sh shopping at Lidl for players. So, you know, they've got to manage their expectations a little bit. A little bit. You know, Missouri's got tons and tons of money, but they're just not throwing it at the club in the right areas. They learn the lessons from signing James Rodriguez, who mm. seemed to want to follow um, Carlo could uh, Carlo around, Ancelotti around? Um, that was always going to end in tears. But they're, they're not they're no danger, Everton. They, they just exist for the sake of existing. So they've got this new stadium that's being built down at the docks, um, which is cool. About time they got out of Woodson Park. The place is made of wood, man. You know what I mean? It's that old. 
Hello, it's bad. It's a bad stadium to go to. <laughs> Don't ever call it Goodison Park again, guys. If you never do anything again, it's Woodison, okay? Because it's made Woodison out of wood. Woodison Park, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, um, they'll, they'll tail off and finish in mid-table obscurity and it'll cost them his job. And see how much they've spent in the last five years. They're up there Crazy. at Man United. They're up there at Man United in, like Kojo says, amassing decent players and not having a clue what to do with them. So, um mm. Yeah, um, that was always going to be a terrible, terrible game. And do you know what? I forgot it was even on. That's how poor it was. So, yes, um, yeah. yeah, when you mentioned it, I thought, oh, yeah, they've played. And it was nil-nil. So so I was right to swear it, wasn't I? So, but uh, I'll be swearing most of the Everton games this season, to be fair. Fair enough. Yeah, and let's talk about Tottenham. You you you, you hate them more, more than me, <laughs> it sounds like, to be honest with you. But yeah, no, I don't know. Conte, I imagine you think he is one of the best managers in, in world football right now, but yeah, what can he do with this Spurs side? Do you think they can get to the top four? Do you think eventually they'll, they'll win titles? I mean... <laughs> uh, that's funny, but anyway. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't see them winning any titles. That being said, they could win a cup because we know how... Why? Conference league, isn't it? Oh, true. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they could. Um, even to be fair, if they get because they've got West Ham, I think, in the Carabao Cup. Mm. So they could knock out West Ham. Um, not if West Ham stay in this form, though. But yeah, they could maybe knock out West Ham, and then maybe they get a easier draw, and they could get to the final, and then anyone could win a final, really. Um, so yeah, especially under Conte, they'd have more of a chance. So yeah, potentially they could win something. Um, in terms of top four, I do feel I can't see like the likes of Man United finishing below Tottenham, even though they've got Ali. So I think they still won't get top four. Um, but they'll probably get Europa League football and then maybe Conte can do something with that. In terms of their players, I do think they need a bit of a rebuild because, you know, they've got a lot of players that don't want to be there and then some that just aren't good enough. So I think they need to kind of back him. Whether they do or not, I don't know. But apparently he was going to go in the summer and he turned it down because I think they said they wouldn't back him. Mm. Something's changed. So maybe they've realised, you know, it didn't work out with Nuno we're going to have to give him some money. And maybe they've agreed to give him some money. But again, it's not guaranteed. Like you say with Everton, they've spent quite a bit of money and haven't really done anything. So it's just interesting because like, when City spend money, it's like, oh, you're successful because you've spent money, which don't get me wrong, it, it helps. But it's also about buying the right players. And yep. I think not every club does that. So it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you know, City spend a lot of money, but if you look at who we spend the money on, we do, you know, we do quite good business. If you compare it to like Man United, we've done quite good business. So, yeah, I think they're going to have to back him. They're going to have to get people in. Maybe they need to go a little bit like copy like kind of Liverpool in a way where they get them sort of transfers where they're not paying over the odds, but they're getting people that are maybe the best in their team. And then trying to build with them, they probably need to go more down a Liverpool route because of who the owners are. But yeah, um, it's whether that works out. But I don't know. I think they've they probably 
I think they've waited a bit too long because I think at the moment it's kind of the top three for me are pretty much set. Whereas maybe last season, had they have had a Conte and backed him in the summer, last season was a little bit. Liverpool had a lot of injuries last season. Chelsea weren't the same last season under Lampard, you know, and, and even City won the league and we weren't the best. United finished second. So I think last season, if they had Conte and they backed him, they could have probably finished top four. But I think this season, it's a bit of a stretch. So he's just going to have to hopefully work with what he's got and add some players. Conte, one thing about Conte is he is good at working with what he has. So, yeah, but I, we haven't seen the best of him yet. I think it's early days, so we'll see what he can do. If, the, if, if there's a sentence that sums up Trent <laughs> Alexander-Arnold, it's he works well with what he does best. So, that's, so going forward is what, is what Trent does well. The defensive <laughs> side, not, not, not so much. Would you agree with that, Steve? No comment. <laughs> not, not getting me on a Trent. <laughs> on a, on a Trent, man. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day, right? I'll just do a pod for half an hour, and I'll sit and educate people on on what what Trent's supposed to do in the team, and what everyone else is supposed to do, mate. And just to just to put it out there because it's oh, the, the, the grief the guy gets. He's at fault for the third goal yesterday when he's marking two players, and we've got four men stood on their own at the front post. Four Liverpool players at the front post, and he's got two. So you know, it's a narrative. It's a narrative. That's it's what he's narrative. doing. He's doing bits of fantasy football. Yeah. You must be losing your points on the defensive side, though. I just had to get it in this. He got me you 12 got me four points. points. Oh, 12. Oh, nice. 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 I oh, he did score the goal. I captain Salah, who got me 10. So he, he would have got me 24 if I captained him. Mm, wow. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you didn't. <laughs> shit happens, Jan. I guess it's shit, shit happens. But yeah. West Ham 3. Uh, Liverpool to Allison own goal, Trent Alexander-Arnold with one of the best free kicks of the season so far for nows. And then Kurt Zuma with the header. And Origi, which surprised the hell out of us on commentary, scored an amazing goal, but it wasn't enough in the end. West Ham take all three points. They scored three goals. Steve, let's come to you. With the whole aftermath of the situation, what's your what's your, what's your feelings on it? Well, firstly, firstly, well done to West Ham. They're a good side in good form. So you've got to give them credit. And they had their game plan. They stuck to it. They played very well. They're very difficult to play against. They're very organised. Big physical side. You could see that from the set pieces. And that was my segue to say at this point, there's no way is that a foul on the goalkeeper. Um, he's got to do better there. It's not, mm. I'm not having that. Klopp's come out and said that's a foul. I'm not accepting that. Allison's a big guy. He needs to be using his physicality there. Um, this is what West Ham do. They know the box. We used to put Dirk Kout and Edwin van der Sar every single game against Man United. It used to pay dividends. This is what teams do. So what can you do? In terms of Liverpool, um, a defensive nightmare. I mean, Big Ron mentions a third goal um, and says uh, Trent and puts a lol. What's he supposed to do? He's got His man is Declan Rice, not, not Kurt Zuma. So it's a difficult one. It, defensively, the performance from Liverpool was very poor. And the reason why it's very poor at the moment is people are playing through the centre of our midfield. So we go to Manchester United. Manchester United set up in front of us without a cohesive midfield. And we find it easy. We play Brighton at home. They come to us with a cohesive midfield. They're not. They're doing. We find it difficult. 
not replacing Genie Wijnaldum and not extending Genie Wijnaldum to do nothing in that situation is criminal because the one thing that guy did do was he was world-class at putting out fires. He was absolutely superb at that. And he was a great uh, great ball recycler. We're, we're criticising Andy Robertson at the moment, but but he's got no confidence in who's playing in front of him. Thiago's not, not a ball recycler. He's too good for that role. I've said before, and I get pelters for it, I, I often question the signing of Thiago. I don't see where Thiago fitted into Liverpool's system when we signed him. Mm-hmm. Our midfield three was always going to be Henderson, Fabinho and, and, and Wijnaldum because of the cover they give the full-backs. For me, Thiago was the guy who came on with 25 minutes to go and passed the team to death when he needed to control a game. That would be his role. But at the moment, people are getting through the centre of the park against us. We saw it at Atletico Madrid. We saw it against Brighton. We saw it again at the weekend. You can't control games of football with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain playing as part of a midfield three. That guy wants the ball in front of him and he wants to be running at people. And he wants to be asking questions of people. He doesn't want the ball over the top and behind him where he's got to turn and run towards his own goal. He just doesn't do that. So we're being overrun at the moment. So we've got to address that. And Curtis Jones isn't the answer. You've got to play a double pivot. And you've got to play just in front of that double pivot. You've got to play Thiago. So when it, when it breaks down, like it, like it did. Um, the two guys playing in the double pivot go left and right. Thiago sits in the middle and adopts the same position he played for Bayern Munich, which is a, the deepest midfielder, but he's not a six, a, a deep line playmaker. And that's what you get out of Thiago in the Liverpool side. So at the moment, um, we have some questions to answer. We don't look particularly solid at the moment. Teams are getting through us. Um, Cresswell's challenge for me is a red card all day long if, if you're going to be consistent. You can't go over the top of the ball and make contact with a man's knee like oh, that. Come on. No, you can't. On, cha- there was one There was one earlier on come in the on. day that got sent off for exactly the same thing. He grazed him at best. With no, the, with mate, the, with the, poor, he grazed him at best. He grazed him at best. I'll tell you how you know. I'll tell you how you know. Straight away, the commentator on Sky, and it's Jamie Carragher, who does not pick up Liverpool at all. His commentator, we hate him for it, says, <laughs> I, I, I think he's in trouble. I think he's in trouble. You can't, you can't make a challenge like that. He gets away with it because Henderson doesn't make a meal of it. He gets up quite quickly and wants to yeah, play on. And to his maybe. credit, fair play to him. If if we make a deal about that, then, there's, then the referee's got to make a decision. But bottom line is, West Ham were very, very good. They'll give everybody a game down there at the moment. Um, they are rightly so and should be considered for top four contention come the end of the season. They will have built on what they did last year. David Moyes is doing a great job down there and he's just got a balance. He stumbled across a balance in his squad with we always felt the game would be won and lost in the centre of midfield Suchek and Rice are a, a really good combination in there with four nails on the left and, and Bowen a winning runner on the right so it's a difficult one but but it's a hard game we knew it was going to be a hard game and, and they were better than us and it's not a crisis we don't need to be taken to Twitter and slagging our own players off some of our fan base are appalling mate really really are um, you lose one game and suddenly your team's crap and you can't win the league if we go 25 games from, from here on in and don't lose a game, we'll be at the top of the pile. You know, 25 games is hard to do. So that's a wake-up call. And we'll see what he does to, to address it. But as I started the conversation, credit to um, credit to West Ham because I thought they were very good. Uh, yeah, and we know that you have to go in a second. So I want to get your thoughts on the game. Yeah. West Ham obviously... Played them off, played them off the park, but they did have to score some pretty decent goals to get back in the game. Um, let's talk about that free kick from Trent. Let's let's be positive on him because because we we can jump on the on the negative bandwagon. That was a fantastic free kick, and we know he's he's got that quality in him. 
Yeah, that was a beautiful free kick, to be honest. Um, really, really good from him. Um, in terms of the game, I didn't watch all of it. I watched bits of it. But from what I saw, I just want to big up Antonio. You know, Jamaican excellence. Have to big him up. Even though he's probably going to score against City. It is what it is. Um, yeah, he's been really, really good. I think only Fella has got more goals and assists than him. And we know how good Fella's been this season. So, yeah, got a big him up. But, yeah, West Ham are looking strong, you know, even in the cup. Like, I was getting battered. I know it wasn't their first team. It also wasn't our first team, <laughs> if we're being paid. But um, they did well against us in the cup. Do you know what I mean? We did struggle to score. And then, obviously, a penalty shootout can go either way. But their penalties were good. So, yeah, I think West Ham um, are doing quite well. So, I don't mind West Ham. They're one of the clubs <laughs> I don't mind. There's only a few teams that I don't mind, and they're one of them. So, yeah. It'd be nice to see them finish top four, to be honest. It wouldn't. Arsenal should finish top four. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's, that's my personal bias coming in. Um, Kojo, let's go to you. We did pick up it on, com uh, on commentary the other day. Um but Van Dyke and uh, Matip and Konate, they're playing this high line and these defenders just don't seem to have, well, Van Dyke seems to have lost a yard of pace. So what is, why are they persisting with this high line? Um, right, well, quickly before I go on that one, um, I know Jan's going to leave in a second. So it's Jan City on Twitter, um, Sarcasm City podcast. Um, I'm forgetting something else. You got your YouTube channel. Are you using that? Yan C E N T? No, mainly on Sarcasm City. So subscribe to Sarcasm City and you'll find me there. Okay, awesome. But yeah, awesome. thank you guys for having me on. Thank See you. Yeah. Bye. See ya. Um, so with the high line, um look Klopp is someone that will not go away from his his um way the way he wants to play football, his philosophy is what I'm looking for. And um Kind of points to the way he kind of criticised West Ham. He said he saw the old West Ham. Because Klopp doesn't like to play teams that play a, a more physical side of the game rather than a more technical side. But I've always said this. When you are a higher quality team... he wins against the technical side, that's why. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's a bit more open. Yeah. Obviously, so your Salahs, your Mane's, and all that kind of a lot more freedom. But the thing is, and I've always said this, and I think it's not, it's not just been a Klopp thing, and I'm not, I'm not comparing Klopp to Rodgers or anyone else before him. But what I'm saying is... With Liverpool, Liverpool in the past have had teams that can score goals, as in bundles of goals. But they've always had this little bit of a struggle against teams that do a little bit of a physical aspect. And it's something that they don't really get comfortable with. And I think Klopp struggles with that. I think a lot of managers struggle with that. It's not Klopp issue only, because your Ten Hags, the, the managers that I loved, they like a certain style of football and they want to go up against that certain style of football for them to have a more enjoyable experience. By the end of the day, if you are a West Ham, if you are a Burnley, if you are, a, I'll go back to Middlesbrough, if you're a kind of club that doesn't have the same level of talent, you're going to have to find a way, a different way to win the game. That's just the be one end all of that. West Ham have a very good side, but they don't have this, the same strong 11 that Liverpool have. Liverpool's 11 is ridiculously good. So they have to find a way to beat them. And um, in both the first half and the second half, the first five minutes, they were a bit more attacking. They were involved in the game. Lucky for them in the, in the first five, they got a goal early in the second half or later on in the second half, rather, they managed to get some goals from set pieces. Um, 
but they just basically they did the setup of remain compact, be structured, start to press when they're they coming to your half and then hit on the counter attack. And like Steve said, the structure was perfect. You had your defense in a line, you had midfielders, they knew what their job was. The link up between Rice and Suchek is perfect. They they just complement each other so well. So that's difficult to beat. And that's what Liverpool found a struggle against. So that's when Thiago came on because they were hoping that Thiago, with his ability, can unlock the gates, can open up the defensive door and find the spaces. But man, what they did was with Thiago being on the pitch, because that line was so high, Thiago doesn't have the recovery that Wijnaldum has. Um, Fabinho is a Fabinho is a brilliant, brilliant player. Don't get me wrong, but at times. He has one or two in games, one or two lapses of concentration where he just kind of falls asleep and then they try and get past him. And the one thing that local players don't do enough for me is the little fouls just to stop counter-attacks. Tactical so, fouls, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that, that last goal, when Bowen's running through, I see three Liverpool players near him. I'm thinking, one of you just take him down. Yeah. Because you're in trouble. You just take him down. And obviously that led to the goal um, to make it 2-2, isn't it, before Zuma scored the third one. So, look, I think it's a highlighting issue. I've... I think it is. I've never really been a, a fan of high lines because it's always about recovery defending now. And I think that's too risky, especially against very quick forwards. Um, but this is something that Klopp has to get used to. He's a, he's a league winner. He's a Champions League winner. So I'm not saying that he's not used to it. But what I'm saying is you have to understand that teams are not going to come and play toe-to-toe with Liverpool all the time. Because if you go toe-to-toe with Liverpool, you give Salah Mane, Shota, Firmino, Maybe not for me, no. You know what's going to happen, man. It, it's utter, it's chaos. It's, you, don't want, you don't want it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, and then on West Ham, it, it was just tactically excellent. I think that's the best way to describe it. And I say that because obviously Mino come to, we're saying it's 3-2, but the goals Liverpool scored had to be of the highest quality. And that kind of is a compliment to West Ham. The fact that there was such a fantastic free kick that will really produce a, a moment of magic like that. To concede goals like that, but to still win the game shows that you have a there's a different aura around West Ham. And I think for David Moyes, someone who over the years was bullied by Liverpool when he was an Everton manager, it's it's a big win for him as well. That's a big confidence for him as well because not only is he an uh, I would say an arch rival of his, but on a personal level, but it's someone that is a a benchmark in the league right now alongside Man City in terms of how they've dominated the league in the last three four years. So for him to get a huge win like that and a win where you can't say they were lucky, they can say they deserved their win. Mm. I think that's a huge thing for them. They're yeah, doing well they're domestically. Doing. They're doing well in Europe. Yeah, it's, um, the bubbles are blowing well and high right now. They're flying pretty high in the sky. Uh, just one final question on on Liverpool. I'll try to turn my mic down. Does that work? No, yeah, it hasn't. Turned down, but you were fine before. No, because it's an echo, but it is what it is, man. Um is there a bit of frustration on your part, Steve? Especially with your your board. And we, we we all know about the Americans and how how much they they love to penny pinch. But when you're still bringing on Divock Origi, when you're still bringing on Minamino to try and win you games that you're that you're that you're currently behind in, is it? And not say Chamberlain playing as well. Is it frustrating to see that your team aren't progressing anywhere? You're still relying on on this on the same. Quality players, don't get it wrong, they'll get twisted. They're very great, they're great, world class players, but you're still relying on them. And once they're past their peak, it might look a bit a bit shaky, a bit shaky for Liverpool. Well, there's two, there's two, there's two parts to that question. And the first part is, 
you know, if we've got, uh, and Kojo said it, our, our first 11 is ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. You go and knock on the door and ask a, a club to sell you a player. And you sit him down in front of you and you say, come and join Liverpool Football Club. You, your job is now to break into the team. I'm not signing you to play in front of Salah or, or Mane or Van Dijk or Alisson. You could go on with the names. There's a limited appeal to players to come to Liverpool Football Club to sit on the bench. So, whilst you look at Origi and think, surely there's better out there. This is a guy that plays nine minutes every other week and doesn't go banging on the manager's door giving him grief. Because in January, he can talk to whoever he wants about a free transfer in the summer. Mm. So, his, his time at Liverpool will come to an end before the end of the season, we'll know where, where he's going to go. Minamino doesn't give Klopp grief. If everybody's fit, the, the first 11 picks itself, and people in the, on the periphery of the club have to sit there and say, OK, well, look, football's becoming a squad game. Manchester City, Chelsea, to some degree in the final third, Manchester United are, are paving the way and showing that you can have two or three players. Manchester United have got two or three players to play out wide in, in both positions. At Liverpool, if we don't do that. Our first 11 is our first 11, and if they're fit, they play. If I'm an up-and-coming young player, Jaden Sancho, for instance, if he'd come to Liverpool, wouldn't have got straight inside. He'd have been sitting on the bench kicking his heels because he's not going to take Salah's place. So it's a really difficult one for Liverpool, but the second part to your question is, yes, it is frustrating. Henderson had a really serious injury last year, a really bad one towards the end of the season. It was horrendous. And he's struggling with form, and he's struggling with fitness, and he looks a bit out of it. Against United, he played as a designated six, and he sat in the, in the space in front of about four. Didn't rely on athleticism, he relied on leadership qualities, and he played very well. You have to take into consideration who he's playing against, because Manchester United didn't offer much. Against more aggressive, physical and athletic sides, Henderson is struggling at the moment, mm-hmm. as is Oxlade-Chamberlain, as is Thiago, and then you kind of get it's like the Alamo. Fabinho's got four guys running at him. So it's really <laughs> tough. So in terms of Liverpool, this is this this now more than last summer will be important that Liverpool put their hand in their pocket and spend on refreshing the squad. And there might be some key players that move on. I don't think Joe Gomez will be at Liverpool next year because he's he's fourth in line to play at the moment. And you may you mentioned the point about Van Dijk seemingly lost a yard of pace. Well, twice he ran down Antonio and took the ball off him yesterday. So I'd, I'd kind of beg to differ to some degree on that. Antonio, one, Antonio's not the fastest, and two, Antonio messed up. He was, he had a, by his standards this season, he had a bad game. He had a bad game. Yeah, okay. But but I'm not I'm not ready to, to sort of question that guy's ability just yet. No, I'm not, 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 not questioning Van Dyke's ability. Don't get it twisted. I'm just saying, in terms of, there was a moment with Antonio where he was, he did chase him down. But last season before the injury, I think he would have got around him and, and, and stopped him there. He kind of waited for, he didn't wait, he just got there at the last second to block the shot. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Again, you look at what happens in midfield. You, 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 I've said this many, many times. They'll watch the video in the, in the training ground and, and it's what Kojo says about the tactical foul. It's all very well saying, why didn't mm. you do that at the, the final move before the ball's put in the back of the net? But there's three or four triggers before that that the club, the team should be picking up and dealing Fair with. Fair enough. He, someone's just got to bring Bowen down. If you bring Bowen down, it's a free kick, it's a yellow card, the danger's gone. But because you let him run, you don't want to put a foot in, you don't want to bring him down, you don't want to give a yellow card... The guy carries the ball, plays the ball through, and before you know it, you know, goalkeeper's had a mare because it goes through his gloves. Yeah. 
it's no excuses for it. But that was that this, these tactical fouls have to happen. Is exactly right, but we we have got a problem in terms of the squad, in terms of the age of the squad, in terms of injury prone. Ox is injury prone. Kate is injury prone. Henderson picks up injuries. Um, Thiago's injury prone. Thiago's never mm-hmm. played more than thirty-two games a season in his entire career <laughs> in the Premier League. To be challenging on all four fronts, you've got to be playing nearly sixty if you want to be in in the mix for all the prizes. So, in terms of what Liverpool have to do, they've got to put their hand in their pocket. They've got to, they've got to invest, but they've got to invest in players that come into the first team, rather than go into the likes of you know. Is an example, they should be busting the door down to sign Basuma from Brighton because he's a tailor-made yeah. Liverpool midfielder in terms of his physicality, in terms of what he offers. He's a good ball recycler. He can see a pass. He's big, strong, physical lad. He's, he's ideal for our midfield. Not Florian Newhouse that, that in, in Germany that is. Is, is slower than Henderson because he's no pace at all. That guy he passes the ball well between the lines, but he's not quick. Yeah. You have to be a physical specimen to play in Liverpool's midfield. So, right now, I am worried and I am frustrated. That result's been coming for um, a couple of weeks, to be fair. Um, you know, Brighton could have and should have beaten us. Mm. Their chances, Alisson was, at, you know, how quickly we forget how, how good Alisson was against Brighton. He was man of the match. And then a week later, our fans are taking to Twitter to ruin him because he's had a bad game. That's football. But we'll, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll go and regather ourselves. I don't, I'm not even going to answer that. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> big Ron, Big Ron, I do love you, mate. You've been in loads of my pods giving me... But that, that's below the belt, that one, mate. Um, <laughs> no, we, we, need to, we need to invest. And if, we, and if they're not going to invest, they'll get left behind. That's the reality of it. This summer more so than last summer because... Kate is playing for a contract. How can you play for a contract with you when you're not available? Yeah. Oxley Chamberlain's got 18 months to go on his contract. It is time for Liverpool to look at finding Oxley Chamberlain a different challenge because with playing the high back line, we've compressed all the space in the opponent's half, which means mm. when Oxley Chamberlain picks up the ball, there's loads of bodies around him, so he can't run with it. When we in 2018, when we played this heavy metal football. We were, we were defensively a lot deeper, so he had a lot more spaces to run into, and he, and he played really well. And then he picked up the knee injury, and then when he comes back, we've adopted this high-back line using VAR and Gomez and Van Dijk's recovery to, to stop the balls over the top. And the game's moved on, and Liverpool have changed. And I, I, I just don't... I, I couldn't see what Oxlade chamberlain was trying to do at the weekend. When you guys watch the game, you, you tell me what, what Oxlade Chamberlain was trying to do because I, I couldn't see what what his role in the team was. I think I think just quickly on him, um, I think Klopp years ago sort of described him as a ball carrier, someone that can take the ball forward and drive it forward. But with all the injuries and lack of football, because quite frankly, he's not up to the standard of the other midfielders that were in his place. That's just his view and end of that. He's not got that quality about him anymore. And I think at this point, Klopp is just trying to give him minutes rather than has a, a place for him. He's very much replaceable. I think yeah. if Cater's fit, he doesn't see the pitch. I think if uh, was still there, he doesn't see the pitch. And I think if you are to sign another midfielder, that would be the end of Oxlade Chamberlain's time at Liverpool. He's, he, I feel like he's still the same player that he signed from... Definitely, uh, definitely. Arsenal. Yeah, he had a bit of an explosive start. It's got a wonderful goal in the Champions League. It looked like maybe he could be having some sort of rejuvenation, but it's just not worked out. And that's, no, that's no. So, so we've got to, we've got to put the hard hours in, and we've got to go and invest and sign these players to, to fill in the spaces because we're getting old, and more importantly, we're getting tired because we put our players through an awful lot. 
That's a good suggestion from uh, Big Ron John McGinn. Um, yeah, I mean, not for me, John McGinn. No. Not for me, no. Just as good, good, good for Aston Villa, but if you want to be winning the champ, that's the what I'm thinking. The title in the Champions League, John McGinn isn't going to do that. That's what I'm John, thinking as well. John McGinn's not an upgrade. Mm. He's a good player, but yeah, he's not going to be the next, next player. There's no level up for him. I think he's he's there now. He's found it. He's found his level. Sometimes it is, it is what it is, man. Um, but as my final point will be, there's only one gold Premier, Premier League title in the history. Of oh, the Premier League, and it's when it belongs to Arsenal. So there we go, there we go. But anyway, Steve, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at, at Steve Plunk, or you can get me at my uh, my own channel, which is Copped. Um, it's kind of we've reinvented that a little bit lately and put together a good team, mm-hmm. hoping to to move into a studio at some point in Liverpool. To, um, you can get an office pretty cheap and set mm. up as a studio because um, it'd be good to do watch-alongs and things like that. So, yeah, come and have a look there. Um, 10 o'clock tonight, I'm on Grounded Football on First XI. Um, I'm not hosting on that at the moment. Doug, Doug stepped in to do that. But it's a good show. We've got a couple of good guests on there tonight. So, and guys, it's always a pleasure to come on and talk football with you two. Um, thanks for the invite and thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on, man. It's been It's been a good episode. And Kojo, where can they find us? Uh, of course, right here on YouTube, uh, Free Me for Podcast, uh, Road to 300, hopefully soon. Um, and on the audios, all of us, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, the rest of them. And of course, t- Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, three in midfield. Can I just Thanks. say something before we go? I can't believe you guys have only got 200 subs. So anyone who watches this, because they see it come up and, and, and spends five minutes looking at it, jump on the YouTube and subscribe to these two guys' channel because they're doing good stuff and it's always a pleasure to come on. Knowledgeable guys and good company, so get sub, sub into these guys' account. Thank, Thank you. you very much, man. Thank you very much. But this has been another episode of The Match Report. Good night. <laughs>